Break the cycle. Me, your host, Joshua Smith. Episode 102. We're, we're heading up to 200 now. We'll see how fast we can hit that number. Uh, for you guys who don't know, I started off like the first three months of the show. I was only doing two nights a week or three nights a week. So uh, we might hit 200 much sooner than six months, which is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, first off, I want to start off by saying thank you to Libertarian Podcast Review for the $20 Super Chat. He says, another podcast host? They are the worst. Uh, he... That's that's our guest tonight, so he knows what's up. Uh, and, of course, uh, Darla, last time you were on the show, I did not get to say hi to you. So tonight she says, Joshua, thank you for doing what you did to that Fakertarian. No, thank you guys for watching and supporting me do that to that Fakertarian. It felt very cathartic. It felt very, very good. Uh, I know there's some people out there who are uh, waking up the next day going, oh, he's weak. He wouldn't debate him. I would de- definitely destroy John Hudak in a debate about anything, truly about anything. Uh, but he didn't deserve a debate on my platform, and that's why he got the treatment that he got, uh, and then that's all he'll get. He'll get no more. Um, so anyways, let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we, of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great Ron Paul for Congress shirt that I'm wearing today uh, for a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe star, or become a member of this here YouTube channel right underneath all of my videos by hitting join for $6 a month. You get into a private Discord server where you can get all Top, uh, Top Lobster's new gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general public at a 30% discount. It really pays for itself. Uh, Plus, I'm taking uh, seven kids to Disney in like three weeks, and our van just broke down. So help a brother out. Sign up. Support the show. Uh, you, you know, it's uh, it's worth it, I promise. Uh, I'll give you all kinds of cool uh, content, after-hours content, and you'll get some pretty cool uh, swag, too, depending on if you're on the Patreon or one of the other channels. And, of course, executive producer of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, uh, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Please check them out today, especially if you're a business owner. I'm telling you, they can save your life. It's really great stuff. Good people. Um, some of the best people, actually. So go check them out and uh, see what they can do for you today. Guys, we got a great show for you. Uh, thanks for starting the week off with Break the Cycle and me. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all kinds of great stuff you could be doing on Monday instead of hanging out with me, but I, I appreciate that you've chosen to hang out with me. But our guest today is a good friend of mine. I love this guy to death. He's uh, he's based. He's also the host of the Libertarian Podcast Review, uh, the host of a, bikes, a biking podcast called Between Two Wills. He's a family law attorney and a man who broke his neck and got up the next day like nothing happened. Mr. Tyler Yonke, how you doing today, sir? Uh, great that introduction i thought you were going to actually bring someone else in but uh, it's me. Thanks. it was it. you indeed brother man hey so so uh i haven't been following you for super long but the amount of time that i have been following you i've become a big fan of yours um you Thanks. know you, you uh you, you do this libertarian podcast review which is i gotta i gotta admit man it's like it's genius right because you you're so, there's so many libertarian podcasters out there and you're like i want to do a podcast in the sphere, but I don't want to just be another libertarian podcast. 
I'll review the Libertarian podcasters, and you do you do it well. You you really explain the shows well. You explain all the characters, the cast of characters from like TPH and Slurp Gang, and all these all these podcasts out there. You explain them really well. You kind of bring people in and let them get to know the characters. So I think that you're doing a great job. I'm a big fan. But let's talk about your journey to to liberty and and uh, anarcho capitalism and all that great stuff, man. How'd you get here today? Where you're at today? Well, it's, it's simple. You know, everyone has a complicated story, but mine, um, it's big old Neil Khan. And then I saw this tweet and it said, it's not enough to be passively not racist. You must be actively not anti-racist. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Vote Gold. I'm, I'm kidding, actually. That's not what I did it for me. Because <laughs> uh, it never gets that way. Uh, mine, I've been involved as far as like being in politics for quite some time as a young kid. Um, my parents were right-wingers, GOP. And uh, I was very much in that world and, you know, the left, right dynamic. And I was uh, set up there. Uh, a friend of mine gave me a book in the 90s, uh, The Law by Frederick Bastiat. That ca- then at least got me curious to the libertarian side. I was big into William F. Buckley, you know, NRO and all those things. And, and actually Buckley himself got me into inadvertently because I, I like this guy. I don't know if you ever heard of Whitaker Chambers. Um, he was part of the pumpkin papers and, and bringing down Alger Hiss and with Nixon, actually, when Huak and all this stuff back in the 40s, he was a, a Russian spy. But he then became uh, Mr. Blackpilled. He was uh, editor of Time magazine, and he was like, the, the commies are going to take over. And he was a brilliant writer. He wrote this book called Witness about his own life. And in there, he just lambasted uh, Ayn Rand. And I'm like, hey, who's Ayn Rand? So then I started reading Ayn Rand stuff. Oh, that was interesting. But objectivism was a little too complicated. Anyway, fast forward on, uh, the 2016 election comes about. And for that election, I was, uh, I was pulling for Ted Cruz in the primaries. And for a few reasons, one, he was an attorney. I thought he was a smart guy and his wife and I actually were friends from high school, Heidi. So I was like, oh, there's that. And then when he got knocked out in the primaries, I was like, I'm done with the, the GOP. And I immediately the next day changed myself to a libertarian. And then I started trying to go down the rabbit hole of where do I find the libertarian side of stuff? And, and I must say the blue pill that people, there's a new terms for them. I'd suggest you go watch like Drew Hancock's videos about like blue pilled and stuff. But um, the blue pill libertarian side is useful for scooting you into the, the real world of libertarianism and reason magazine. Um, the fifth column got me into uh, Camille Foster, which got me into uh, Thaddeus Russell, which got me into Michael Malice, which was then Tom Woods, and Dave Smith, and then Dave's talking about uh, Rothbard, and I've read that, and uh, you know Rothbard, his one statement kind of about um, he's with his friends, they're all liberals, and they're like, you know, um, well, you don't want you you're a minarchist, and if you think uh, you can, you know, why can't we have for the TVA the Tennyson Tennessee Valley Authority and whatever these laws, and you think you can only do it for little things, but and then it kind of made um, Rothbard realize that he wasn't consistent. And that to me rang really true. And I went down that six month slope from libertarian to anarchist. I call myself a market anarchist. So that's kind of my journey. Sure. Absolutely. We've had uh, Ace Ace Arcist on the show several times, who's also a market anarchist. And I, you know, I, I'm very sympathetic to that. Obviously I'm a, I'm pretty hardcore anarcho-capitalist. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, sit there and harp on, on these philosophies all the time anymore. Um, but I'm definitely more sympathetic to, to market anarchists in, in certain forms. Um, I don't even know, just to intercept, I don't even know that I know what the difference is. I just kind of would like to be, you know, the capitalism is some kind of has a bad connotation, so free market, you know, sure. whatever it is, capitalism. And I'm not just sorry to interrupt here, no, real no, quick, no. but 
uh, what was got me so excited about like Camille Foster and those guys to hear that they're so they're, they're um, capitalists, you know, free market, but the anarchy side, I didn't know that existed. And that was uh, exciting to me. And when I've argued with some of my right wing uh, family or friends and I'm like free market, they immediately push back like the left does, which yep. is curious to me when I, for me, it was exciting. So anyway, sorry. Well, and, and it's funny. I, you know, I had Larry Sharp on the show. He's a good friend of mine. He was kind of a mentor to me in the political world when I was running for chairman and stuff. He, he had a lot to do with uh, how I handled things and, um, you know, the, 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 the verbiage that I used when I was speaking to certain people, uh, cause he's very good at messaging, you know, uh, policy to people. And, you know, he said, listen for in his, in his New York accent, listen, 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 listen you know, uh, the, the the term free market shuts down conversation with the left right away, immediately, every time. Right. He said, don't ever use it anymore, you know. Uh, use uh, market-driven or, or uh, no, what did he say? God, consumer-driven market. And so I started using that, and I noticed that, like, people would listen. Consumers, because you're they 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 sympathize with that. They're consumers. They know yeah. that they know they're consumers. They know they have to consume. So, um, you know, I, I there's still people you can use the term free market with. Obviously, with like Republicans and your normie parents and shit like that, you can use that term. But you know, when you're talking to the left, if you say the term free market, all discussions over, it's done. You know, it's 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 one of those things. You know, oh, you know, and you might just be a Nazi five minutes later, and who knows? You know, um, but it is it. You know. There are some differences. I mean, market, market anarchists, some of them are uh, kind of like um, mutualists. You know, they believe in mutual aid and, and uh, the likes and stuff like that. And like Proudhon, the theories of Proudhon. Um, and so, or like, uh, uh, who else? There's some others. But let's not let's not harp on philosophy too much because there's real shit in this world going on today. You know what I mean? We got, <laughs> we got some real tyranny we're dealing with today. And we've been harping on principles for the last several months. If you saw the video I put out last week uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning, pissed off about okay. the new mandates. Um, it's done really well and I appreciate you guys, man, checking it out. But, but you're, uh, you're an attorney, brother. You do, yeah. uh, you do family law and this is a great, um, this is great for me because I've been through the absolute ringer, uh, when it comes to family law, you know, I fought for cussing my daughter for 10 years on and off. Uh, they were actually on the run for like five years and I had to hunt them down. I mean, it was really, really gnarly shit. Um, and those situations have been used to bash me publicly for both of my runs and, um, right. I mean, what, what is it, the, the, so the family law system is fucked up. I'm sure as a lawyer, you, you understand that better than most yep. people, uh, other than, you know, men and women who have been dragged through it. But, uh, I mean, what, what are some of the glaring issues you've seen with the family law courts? Well, we can go directly to, uh, and by the way, that's the interesting part. I saw you with Mark Claire and I'm like, oh, I would love to have, first of all, watching it was kind of like a, a one hour consult that I have up here and stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, I'd like to have Josh on. And then I reviewed your show and then went from there. But you could just even go right to the case that was just in Illinois of the judge that said, you know, to the mom, they go in there for um, an issue of, of child support. It's not even on the docket to have any issues heard of custody or whatever. And he makes a ruling about that, which to me was just bizarre. But I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen there. Says she has to be vaccinated or can't have any custody. And of course, that gets reversed right away. And so you have oh, judges just, you know, doing what they want to do. Uh, you know, my ultimate goal would be to have no marriage licenses. And this is all contractual law. And we could do it, you know, private courts and, and those kind of things. That would be the ultimate way to go. But as you see, and, and you've been through it, um, it's very frustrating to get uh, sometimes, you know, the first person, and, you know, we can talk about this with the other issues that are going on the drama. Um, someone makes an accusation and you are then behind the eight ball trying to overcome that. 
present your evidence. And it's, it's, they call it, you know, kind of like the wild west in family law. Uh, there's courts of law and courts of equity. And the family law is definitely in that court of equity where you're trying to be equitable, you know, fair. And sometimes it's just under the judge's discretion. And by the way, in California, um, which is where I practice, uh, it's all bench trials. In other words, it's just you and the judge. There's no jury. And to some extent, I like that. You don't have to play the manipulation game with the, with the juries and all. Uh, but to some extent, too, you know, the judges, they, they rule with an iron fist. So, Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, we can talk about how men are disproportionately screwed over by the family law system. But I mean, there's women, too, that get screwed over. It's not just men. It's just the, the majority of the time it's men. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of that comes back to like, what, what is it? Title is it title five. Why do I always forget the title name? There's like kickbacks. Is it title nine? Is that what it is? Is that what you're talking about with like uh, collegiate and, um, I, I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. Oh, well, there's like, no, there's like, there's like kickbacks. Like the, the States get kickbacks through, uh, child, oh, okay. child support. And, um, you yeah. know, it, it really like the, the child support laws criminalize millions of parents every year. Um, and, uh, and, uh, the States has to impose. So like, I, I found this really funny. Like if, if two parents, I don't know how it is in, in California. I've never gone through a custody case in California. I lived in California while I was fighting a custody case in Arkansas. And then I fought a custody case in Oregon. But, uh, if, if you, um, if you come to a mutual agreement, both parents and go into court and settle it mutually on, on paper and stuff, they require that one parent pays child support to the other one. Is that a problem that you guys face in California? It all depends. Okay. So um, if you're, you can always make your agreements uh, outside of court and I encourage everyone to do that, you know, memorialize it, get it notarized, whatever, or have your attorney sign off. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. The judges will, will take that without a problem. Um, your issues you have with, you can't bargain away a few things, which is uh, child support. It's basically one of them. So you can't, you know, say instead of giving you child support, I'm going to give you this. Now you can make those agreements and kind of have it and it's kind of okay. But if the next day the person could come in there and file a motion and they're back in there getting their support. So what we have in California, it's called guideline. It's calculated off of your income and percentage of time and a bunch of other factors. Um, and <laughs> so if you have Department of Child Support Services involved, they are not going to sign off on this unless they're okay with it. So they can't let you agree to having zero support um, unless they're okay with it. And what that really means is um, if you, one of the parties has gone through and is on public assistance, then the county's involved, they're going to want to get their money back. So they are going to take it against one of the parents, whoever's going to owe support. And that's how they're going to do it. So Department of Child Support Services here, DCSS, they're not going to allow you not to have child support if you are owe the county money. Otherwise you can, you can set it to zero as long as the parties want to do that. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know some states, some states, that's not the truth. Like here in Iowa with, with uh, my fiance and her kids, you know, they came to a mutual agreement. They're like, we're going to split time. Everything's going to be fine. They went down the court and the court's like, well, we're going to impose $40 a month on, on him. Sorry. You know, like it has to be like the minimum 40, like 40 bucks a month or something or 40 bucks a week or something like that, which I thought was just pretty asinine. I would still bet that it's less than support here in California because it's, it's penal. Here. Oh yeah, it's, no, it's, no doubt. So when I first, uh, for my son, who, who lives in Oregon still. Um, he's the, the only child of mine that doesn't live with me because if you guys know, we have seven in the house. Um, got four, and I thought I had it, but you, you really have Yeah, it. it's wild. But so I so when I first got hit with support order there, um, I, first of all, the story is absolutely insane. I, 
I, I rushed through things. I tried to fight for full custody because I was worried about some other things that I won't bring up on the, on the podcast and the show. Um, I was very worried about some things, so I went down to try and fight for custody. Uh, before I could file for custody, I was slapped with a protective order, um, which then makes it so I can't fight for custody. I have to go and fight that first. Right. Um, so we, we went to court for that. Uh, that was laughed out of court. It's still to this day one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, I walked in, you know, eight o'clock in the morning before work. Uh, I had a pea coat on and like a button-up shirt. She walks in in like a Hillary Clinton like like pantsuit with like an accordion folder. And this, me and this, this my my son's mother dated for like two weeks maybe. And I'm like, what the fuck could she have in an accordion folder? Like we hung out four times, you know. And uh, so she's she's flipping through it, and and the judge is like, uh, you know, Miss So and So, you have the uh, the the duty to explain to me how he put you in in danger of uh, severe bodily injury and harm or whatever they say. And uh, all I've said at this point is I swore in, right? You know, I'm like, yes, you, you know, I, I do or whatever. And uh, so she starts flipping through this thing, you know, and she pulls out this paper and like snaps it. And I'm like, what the hell? And she's like, this time on this date, he came over to my house after leaving the bar and threw a tortilla at me. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like thinking back in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, we were like playing around making quesadillas and we were like throwing little pieces of tortilla at each other. Like it was cute. And she's like, and, and, and uh, the, the judge is like, no, no, no. And listen, you know, Miss So-and-so, I need you to explain how he puts you in grave bodily danger. And she's all, okay. So she starts going through it again, pulls out another piece of paper. And she's like, on this day at this time, he texted me. And I quote, I guess I'll have to go about this another way. And she put it back in there and like sat back like she dropped the mic. And I was like, I, like, I still haven't said anything at this point. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, I meant like we're going to have to go to court because you were telling me I wasn't going to be able to see my child. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you, like my child was like, like not even born yet. You know, you were just first pregnant and you're already telling me I'm not going to be able to see my child. Yes, that's what I'm going to do, you know. And so, uh, and so the judge is basically shaking her head and laughing at this point. She's like, I'm going to throw this case out. And so we like raced to the family court office to file for custody. And, you know, then I had to file for paternity because I wasn't on the, the birth certificate. Absolute hell. Absolute hell. And so the court knew this. The court knew what I was going through. They knew what I was dealing with. The, the, uh, you know. And so when they went to, went to, but when they went to configure the, uh, the child support, I didn't have a lawyer. I couldn't afford a lawyer. Her parents were paying for a lawyer. I was doing this all by myself. And, uh, and I, at the time, I was working a full-time job during the day, eight hours a day. I was making about $937 every two weeks after taxes. Um, and then I was bartending two or three nights a week. And so they took all of this uh, income, my bartending as well, and added it up. And then they said, well, we, what are you making tip? I said, not very much, you know, but it's not on my, it's not on my, my check. So I don't have a stub for it, but I can tell you guys, I make maybe a hundred bucks a week. If I'm lucky, you know, I don't, I don't work very often, just a couple nights a week, extra, extra cash. They speculated that I was making $1,400 more a month in, t- in tips. They speculated, complete speculated, hit me with $1,269 a month in child support for, for, for the first child support order. And so I was like, holy shit, I don't know how to deal with this. Like that's, you know, that's more. And, and, and so before the order went through, I, I had let go of my bartending job because I was going to get ready to go back to school for nursing. And so I was making $937 every two weeks after taxes. And they were garnishing me $1,269 and some odd change a month. It was taking half of, what I, half of what I made every month and putting me in their rears by a couple hundred dollars every month. And I went to the, her lawyer and I was like, yo, I don't have this second income job anymore. This is, year, this is now this, you know, eight years ago. I don't have this second income job anymore. 
how how can you change that? She said, you're going to have to uh, figure out a way to make up that lost income. And the judge agreed with her. And I'm like, they held me for two years to a double job standard, although I was working only one job and only making this set amount of money. And so I was putting myself through nursing school. I went to school for 14 months. At one point, I had lost my job and couldn't find a place to live because I didn't have any money. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was studying for finals like under streetlights in my car, you know? And, uh, and this, the court just kept dragging me through the mud. It took me years, years to get out of this. And she knew that I didn't have the money to fight. She knew that I didn't have the money to fight it in court. I didn't have the money. I didn't even, one time I wanted to file an enforcement order. I didn't even have the money to file an enforcement order while I was in college because she wasn't letting me see my son, even though there was a parenting plan in place. Right? Like that's horrendous shit, man. Is this, is, is that something you see like those exorbitant amounts in California? Is that something that happens a lot? Yeah, I feel like I need to bill you for this now. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not asking for I'll your, just, your, uh, your, you know, your. Gosh, I would help you. Uh, <laughs> um, and by the tor- way, the tortilla thing, you know, tomorrow is the first day of uh, Hispanic month. So it, perfect it was, timing. Uh, <laughs> and hands up to, or shout out to Jose for that as well. Um, so, you know, look, a lot of men, like you said, men are kind of, um, thought of the second class citizens kind of in this issue. And for the most part, the the law has tried to take that out and to be better. And I think men, um, they they have a different mindset, which is, okay, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do, do everything I can for the family and I'm not going to make a schedule. And so they come in kind of behind and the women are, and this is not always the case, but it's more often than not, at least what I see. And the women are a little bit more prepared and they've thought about, you know, the custody situations and it does. And then they are able to steamroll the husband because the husband is just not taking the time because he's busy. He's, he's out earning the money. He's working hard and he's doing what he, he's a good dad. And then he gets, you know, shit on for it. So that that's one of the things that you kind of see here. And yes, I do see extraordinary uh, bad, you know, uh, results kind of like what you had there as well. I mean, the way they see income out here in California for support is any way derived. So, you know, your tips, they'll, they'll impute income if they can. And, you know, you see devious stuff, people not working on, in, on purpose. And so it's a, uh, uh, don't go into family law. This kind of the, uh, the, it's, the hor- idea. it's horrendous, man. It's, and it's, it's, it feels I'm like, not compassionate and I'm not a good therapist and I'm expensive. So. Sure, sure. Well, and it feels it feels like it feels like the court system um by design has to fuck over one of the parents. Like they they have to do it every time. Well, I always tell them I'm like, "Look, you've now you're even you've taken on the state as part of your your family here and they're going to rule one way or another. I mean, if you could agree, you wouldn't be in court." So it's just inevitable in the way it is. And, you know, the, the best outcome is when you don't have to go, which, you know, we do that a lot, too. But. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, and, and I think that that really gets to the root of the problem, right, is the is the, having the state involved in your parenting. It's uh, it's a very unfortunate thing. Of course, without it, you would probably mostly be out of a job unless there was private arbitration. Else, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I get it. But, yeah, it's just it's a really dirty game, man. Um, I wish I wish it wasn't so bad. Uh, we got some some super chats here from Bubblegum Gun Man. What's up, dude? Thanks for the uh, two dollars super chats. Two of them. He said, "Based Ayn Rand is trash." Patrick Patrick McGuhan is based. I don't know who Patrick McGuhan is. Do you? Is that your buddy? No, no. I, I, I didn't. I didn't say that Ayn Rand was was trash. <laughs> uh, Bubblegum Gun two dollars said, "Repeal the nineteenth. The founders were wise to be to be sexist." Woo! Yikes! Okay. Yikes! Uh, 
So, so let's talk a little bit about uh, about your podcast, man. The uh, the okay. Libertarian Podcast Review. It's it, you know it's really cool stuff. Like if you guys haven't checked it out, go check it out. He's reviewed my show, uh, which I was kind of out of the blue. I think one day I was at walking at work, and all of a sudden I saw a tag, and I looked at it. I was like, oh shit, someone reviewed my show. And this was several months ago. And I was all, this is, I don't, this has got to be bad. Like I'm, I was all worried. I was like, he, he's probably gonna talk all kinds of shit about me. Like I don't even know. And then I watched the whole thing, and I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. Uh-huh. And then uh, I saw him review Tower Power Hour. I watched that episode, and um, it's been really, really cool, man. And you said some great things about me. So thanks for sto- stroking my ego. I appreciate it. But what, what, uh, what made you want to start a review podcast, brother? Well, I've been, you know, I'm. I'm- opinionated and I've been involved in, you know, I like politics and so libertarian stuff. I, you're, I'm not riding my bike or doing whatever and I'm listening to stuff and I want to make comments. And so then I saw Drew Hancock makes a video and he's like, you know, just get involved, just start something. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then I saw Clint uh, Russell of Liberty Lockdown. He did a tweet and he's like, oh, this is my podcast. It was very new. And he's like, this is going to, uh, this is going to change how everyone, I'm going to convert millions with this. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to review this guy's podcast. And I did it solely to, I'm like, I'm going to put this wigger in his place, right? right. I'm going to shut this guy down. And and so I listened to it and I was like, okay, well, it was an okay episode. Then I listened to it again to try to prepare and, and the guy won me over. So <laughs> what are you going to do? So I did his review and I had him on the show because, you know, same reaction that you kind of got. I did uh, Keith Knight, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, my wife said I was a little rough on him. So then I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're not going to attract anybody to maybe, you know, come onto the show or, you know, the best way is you get a bigger host, you review their show. I did that with you, Lions of Liberty, you know, and then you get a little bit more notoriety and stuff from there. So um, that's kind of the angle. And uh, at some point I want to take on a show that I dislike. It's just sometimes, you know, you got to get through their catalog. It's, it's a little bit unbearable. Um, or maybe take an episode. I heard a, we are libertarians today that it was cringes. They can be very cringe sometimes, buddy. And so I'm thinking of of doing that, but I kind of want to get a a little bit more uh, clout notoriety before I just start to shit on people. Yeah, before you rip into somebody, you better make sure that you know if if you're gonna go for the king, they say uh, you you better take the king out, right? And but yeah, Yeah. I mean it's funny because there's there are some good people. We are libertarians, and I've even gotten you know I've gotten. Yeah, and I've even gotten a better relationship with some of the people that I really hated over there, like Spangle. At some point, Spangle and I kind of made up, and I uh, have I've seen him say some some shit about me, but he's never gone the real dirty route on me. He's always been critical of my actual like plans and policies and stuff for the for right. for the LP, which is which is you know, but I I've never had a problem with people's criticism. I've had a problem with people's slander and lies and bullshit, right? right. So so people right. who uh, who who um, criticize me in good faith, I, I can I can be okay with that. Um, so so yeah, well, but there are some podcasts. What's that? Well, I'm just gonna say. So I I did the Tower Gang, and I just mentioned in there uh, as a an aside. Uh, not not a podcast. I said honorable mention. I was planning on, and so I've started to listen to their stuff. And then I found out that Neocon Remover blocked me because he didn't like something I said on there. I was like, you know what? Uh, it's probably well deserved. I mean, I was nice. I I like his stuff, and and I so I actually reviewed. Um, what was the last? Oh, Nick Ashley's last week, and I played some clips with Neocon Remover. The dude is funny, and so you know, I'm not gonna hate on people just because he didn't like me. That's fine. Yeah. No, I get it, man. I get it. Yeah, he's funny. He's cool. I, I know. I know some some people just block 
block fast, dude. You know what I mean? Sure. It's unfortunate. Sure. I wish people would stop. I don't even block all the haters, like all of them. I don't block, but I did. I have blocked Archie Flowers because we started the block Archie Flowers movement, and I have right. blocked Nick Sarwark. And my life has been like infinitely better because I, then, I literally had like a uh, an alert set up for Sarwark's posts because <laughs> it was so much fun to watch the ratios, you know. But when everyone started blocking him, the ratios died. So like, what's the point anymore? You right. Know? What's the point yeah. of me sticking around? Let him wither away. Yeah, I was only there for the ratios. It was great, and now everyone blocked him. So he, he actually only gets like four or five likes on his post now. The guy's got like 15,000 followers. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. Uh, we were all of his uh, all of his support, man. <laughs> he's only five away from uh, Jason Stapleton, so he's oh, close. Yeah, oh, Jason. There's one you can you can, uh, you can can do Jason Stapleton's podcast, man. I listened to him and Mark uh, on Mark Claire and, and uh, Dave Smith this morning. And then I commented because uh, he, he wants you to kind of not be involved in the political process. I don't want to spoil the, the right. podcast. You guys want to go listen to it. And it was a great, actually a back and forth. I thought Dave did a great job. But my one question to, to Jason, which he actually had some back and forth with, and, and I did it my best to not get antagonistic because I didn't really, because he gets set off easy as well. I just said, are you a minarchist or an anarchist? Because you're really, telling people not to be involved at all in the political process. So if you're advocating for some sort of form of government, why are you telling us not to be involved in that government you're advocating for? And he did not, he said, "Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. So then I said, you know, explain it. And he he said, my personal opinion shouldn't mean anything. And I'm like, well, you're promoting a product in a sense of this. I kind of want to know where this cult leader, he's not a cult leader. He's He's totally trying to be a cult leader though. (laughs) <laughs> where this infomercial is headed and if you don't believe in what uh, the full thrall, you know of everything then um maybe i'm just not as interested but uh i he has a lot of good things to say and i heard what you said the other night and i don't have a problem with that <laughs> he, yeah. he's a little harsh yeah i don't like that shit man don't attack people for trying to do what they think is right uh you know attack people if they're doing things they know are wrong uh but attacking people doing the, th- the things they think are right for their family and their community and their friends like you could get fucked in my opinion you know what i mean and aside of that, you know, being part of the libertarian community can increase your wealth, power and influence because it's connections that you make. And um, I, I think that's entirely possible. Um, you know, be wary of where you're doing in politics. But sure, sure. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Yeah. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com. Dot com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Uh, and I would though. First of all, uh, before we move on, I want to shout out Lo-Fi Republicans in the chat. Lo-Fi Republican uh, is is awesome. He actually uh, reached out to me and asked me for my address recently, which is you know I just give it to people willy nilly because I'm a super public anyways. I don't give a shit. Uh, and uh, he sent me a pair of uh, high def 1080p uh, camera glasses. That I can oh, wear so like you can record from point of view uh, and so it's really gonna be nice for my fiance's channel uh, Julia Annalise uh, 
because uh, she does like vlogging stuff, so we can get like her point of view plus the camera vlogging stuff. So that's pretty neat, um, and I'll probably start using it for some of my video, man on the street video stuff when I start doing that. But uh, really, really cool, of you brother. I appreciate it. Uh, Magoo sent a five dollar super chat. Tyler, feel free to review. Ignore the rant. It's partially libertarian, one third of the hosts, and it's pretty bad. So critique away. <laughs> <laughs> is that Magoo? Is that your podcast? Uh, and and. Tweet me on uh, or send me something on Twitter to remind me. He is he is uh, he is actually um, uh, that is actually his podcast and uh, he's one of our show supporters as well. Great guy, man. Um, let's see. Oh, Bert Grimm, uh, Mister Neocon Removers in the chat. He said uh, Tyler. He said shout out to Tyler. He's a good guy. We'll unblock when I get back from my break. <laughs> oh, Bert. I, you know what? And Bert, I, before the. <laughs> By the way, love the guy. And I appreciate that because that is not at all, you know, what I expect. And I'm not begging for it. I will grovel maybe a little. But uh, I was about to purchase his shirt, a Joy Division of Labor. Okay. I was just, I'll do it. If he unblocks me, I'll. I'll <laughs> He'll buy your shirt if you unblock him, Bert. I already, my fiance and I have matching uh, Neocon remover shirts, the, uh, the the Rothbard one. So pretty, pretty okay. badass, dude. Um, but only only because I ordered the wrong size first time. So I, it came in a small, and I'm going, what the fuck is oh, this? So so she's got a small, and I got an extra large, which I normally wear. Um, but nice. So let's talk about your other podcast. Your other podcast, you're, uh, you're an avid cycler, as are lots of people in the California area. There's lots of cyclers yeah. out there. Uh, but you do it pretty aggressively, and uh, you got a podcast called Between Two Tires. Uh, so what's what do you do? What's the, the gist there? Between Two Wheels. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. That's what I said. Uh, Zach Galifianakis of cycling. Um, so I used to professionally race and do this for years when I was young um, and stopped in 2000. And then I got back doing it uh, about in 2010 after I broke my Achilles or tore my Achilles. And I said, no more running. I'm getting back into this. So I do it competitively on an amateur level. Uh, I think, you know, really amateur <laughs> level. Uh, so I started a podcast that uh, we talked, I have been uh, covered the tour of California, I've, you know, interviewed all kinds of pros and, and local people. And I've actually the last month or so, I've just kind of Eh, with it it's been a while it's been so you know almost 300 episodes for that i still love it um it's just i'm busy um so i don't know if you want me to tell me i was in a uh, I still do racing and we were out doing a, a big um, group ride that people might see people you know cyclists out doing and uh, i had a bad wreck broke my neck broke my back some rib issues kidney uh tons of road rash and that was uh that was july 13 yeah, so very very recently yeah so, uh, you know, and it sounds horrible, um, but it was non-load bearing and I actually got back on the, I'm about riding again. So I was out, you know, doing uh, some riding this weekend and um, it sounds horrible, but the the breaks that it happened were non-load bearing. And so they weren't as, you know, horrific. Matter of fact, when I went to the hospital, my wife took me there and I'm all kind of dingy a little bit from it. Uh, they did some scans on me and then brought me back in the room. My wife's like, Hey, we're here at the hospital with Tyler, like normal. I'll just go get some clothes and come back. And then the doctor comes in and said, Oh, you broke your neck. Huh. And then the, and then and the nurse is there and she's like, and don't move or you're going to be paralyzed. And I'm like, I think she's overreacting. But <laughs> This, this guy literally takes a, a nasty dive, breaks his neck and back. And the nurse is like, don't move your neck. You might get paralyzed. Like, nah, you're overreacting. I'm good. Uh, I don't, I've known a lot of people that broke their neck, man. I've never seen anybody sitting in a podcast chair uh, uh, less than two <laughs> months later, dude. Well, it was a transverse process. I don't know if anybody knows about that. It's a little wing on the C7 on my neck that sticks out. So it popped off and they're like, um, no surgery. I mean, the only thing that they would do is if it doesn't kind of uh, start to adhere back to the bone, they'll go in and, and remove it. 
but it's perfectly fine. The other one was my L3. It was uh, just a fracture. Um, so I went down, I was going like 30 miles an hour. I kind of stood up to put some power down and it felt like the chain broke, but it, it didn't. So I'm still confused at what happened. Went over the handlebars, hit the back of my neck, slid, you know, 30 miles an hour. And then a bunch of people ran into me oh, shit. and it, into the back. <laughs> I was like making noise and uh, lost, you know, I wasn't really with it for uh, about 40 minutes or so. Yeah. Did it knock you out and all that shit or what? I never lost consciousness. But um, my, they said I was repeating the same thing on a two-minute loop. Uh, and then and friends didn't call the hospital. They called my wife, or the, the ambulance. They called my wife. She came and picked me up, took me there, takes me in with the, my broken helmet, and they put a neck brace on me, and we're in the waiting room, and they're playing Jeopardy. And I'm like, hey, I love Jeopardy. At least this is what she tells me. And so um, she showed me a picture of what the answer or question is, whatever they do on Jeopardy, uh, and it was, it was a three-dog night song. So the answer is three-dog night. And uh, my answer to her was Rapunzel. So that's- <laughs> I've, uh, that's I've had uh, lots of concussions in my life, uh, if, oh, you, yeah. if you can believe that, between uh, a decade of uh, well, a decade of MMA um, and then uh, several years of football and lots of extreme sports. I mean, I rollerbladed, skateboarded, uh, bike, did BMX, I, I snowboarded. Um, but the, the absolute worst concussion I've ever had was from snowboarding. I was coming down yeah. – I was at Sierra Nevada, Tahoe, uh, and uh, at Sierra in Tahoe, and uh, I was coming down from from God. It was like the Bunny Hill or something. It wasn't even that crazy, you know what I mean? Like, and I was coming down where all of the bottom of the lifts kind of intersect, and I ran yep. head first into somebody else. And uh, the rest of the night, it was the same. It was like I was asking the same questions over and over and over again. And my friends like, "Hey, have you seen my keys?" And then five minutes later, hey, have you seen my keys? Yeah, man, we have your keys. We're not giving them to you. You know, you obviously have a concussion. Like, hey, has anyone seen my jacket? You know, like over and over and over and over again. And uh, I don't remember most of the evening, um, but that's that's what I was told, too. So those concussions can be pretty, pretty scary. It's like it's like it makes you anxious because you're like, well, why do I keep asking? Why does everyone keep telling me I keep asking the same questions over and over again? You know? Well, for me, uh, that 40 minutes, um, I like I was blurry. uh about five minutes before the wreck happened, like if I think back on it, but when it, like the second it started, when I was pushing and going over the handlebars, I remember that very clearly. It's like a little movie for the next five minutes. And then I'm, I don't remember everything until I, after I answered Rapunzel and then it's clear. So I didn't have symptoms after the fact of concussion. It was just those 40 minutes of haze. And so maybe I was frustrated in those, you know, two minute loops. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. Mine was, mine was rough, dude. It was, I'll never forget. It was, uh, it was constant, constant for, for like the whole rest of the night at least. And then probably, you know, I've had some, I've I have like, I'm sure, I'm sure I have CTE. I'm sure of it. I have, uh, yeah, I have, uh, uh, some serious um issues with like migraines and and um oh. uh what do they call that other stuff uh where you can't see you're like, really, really dizzy all the time uh vertigo. vertigo yeah i mean i have all kinds of really crazy issues dude from from head trauma um so so protect your head man it's important well yeah i got it but let me ask you that then um so you have a younger wife how does she feel about your debilitating mind oh i don't know man she 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 tells me i got dementia all the time um, i figure it's i figure she's probably mostly right you know what i mean it was all that it was because i smoked weed off of uh off uh, aluminum cans most of my my uh <laughs> my childhood <laughs> I, I, I was a very clean young child, so I didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, my bird again, isn't it? And shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Uh, let's see. Shannon Lee, uh, thanks for the $5 super chat. She said, got to check out Bridget Fancy's pod. Walkins, welcome. She recently had Reed on and Dumpster Fire. She's the best. Do you, do you yeah, watch I know. Her? You watch Bridget Fancy? Yeah. Yeah, I know who she is. Um, 
see the problem with her part and then just give you a tip, some inside game here. She's too big. So if I were to review it and send something out, she wouldn't give a shit. Um, I did a little clip of Dave Smith as an example of one of his podcast uh, episodes. Who knows about that? Not Dave. <laughs> <laughs> he might. You never know. Dave is one of those people, dude. Like I, I've, I've, I've talked to Dave a lot, and I just sent Dave messages for like two months, and he just finally got back to me the day of the hundredth episode that I've been trying to get him on for like over a month. So it worked out. I was starting to worry about. It. He had responded to one of my tweets. I'm like. You want me to do something? I was like, man, dude, I don't know if he's going to make it. And, and Eric July never got back to me. I was, I wanted Eric July on that show, and he never got back to me. Uh, but I think we had a good 100th episode. It was a good show. It was great. You had the, the, the big, all those big guys then, and then the next night you had the guys Eiffel Tower, Hudak. That was pretty sweet. And now you're starting season out two out with me i don't it feels like the stadium's empty i love it man no what are you talking about dude we got viewers we got uh we got we have as many viewers as as most of my normal shows man you're doing good you're killing it right now buddy very i'm very happy for you no i uh you know i I think you're doing great work and stuff but um let's let's talk a little bit about the drama i know you're kind of you're kind of into it you understand a little bit you're you're uh your tower pod uh adjacent yeah (laughs) so you know man so what's that I'm a fan. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. But you also, you know, you, you hang out with us digitally sometimes. And um, so, so you know what's going on. Uh, there was some drama that started several months ago. Um, you know, this, this group of people who are on an absolute fucking crusade against podcasters for some reason um, came at us about a gentleman who uh, was, was um, accused of domestic violence to his girlfriend. And his girlfriend was somebody that we knew online. Um, and, uh, these people came to me and I actually removed that person from my show list. I was going to have him on the show. I, I, uh, decided not to do that show. Um, instead we opted to not have a show that night and I did the next night with Scott Horton. Um, but that person was my friend, um, has been my friend. In fact, of all the people that are involved in this, I'm, I, except for maybe his ex-girlfriend, uh, I'm definitely the closest with that person. Um, he is an executive producer of the show. Uh, he does he does donate a hundred dollars a month to the Patreon uh, for that level for that tier. Um, and so I removed him for the show, but I didn't remove him from my credits, my end credits. Um, and uh, so he admitted to part of what was said. Um, and I looked it over, and I thought that that was pretty bad, bad enough to not have him on the show. Um, he was atoning for it. He was felt very very bad. Um, it wasn't like he punched or kicked or any of that stuff, but what he did was still not good. It was still bad. Um, and, uh, and I won't minimize that. Um, and, uh, but I decided I wasn't going to take him off the executive producer list. He was, he was going to therapy. He was trying to get his life together. He was taking all this on the chin. He stepped down as the chair of, uh, of a state party. Um, he was, he was really trying to, to do what he could to hopefully make her feel better. Um, but several days later I found out about some lies, uh, that were told, um, and so that had a lot to do with me not taking him out of the credits as I was like, okay, well, this is, this is a, he said, she said thing. Most of it. Um, there's a lot of things flying around that are unproven. I'm seeing proof of lies of blatant lies, um, that, that were heavy. I mean, really heavy, like hospital heavy. Um, and so, but I just kept it all under wraps. I didn't say anything else about it. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to talk about it. Um, and I think the guys like from the tower pod, uh, gang and all them, they didn't want to talk about it. But here recently we came under fire again as a group of these anti-podcaster podcasters or whatever the fuck they are. I mean, let's be honest. That's really strange to be an anti-podcast people that went on a podcast to dump on other podcasters. Uh, but you know, teach their own. 
and uh, and they went on and dumped on us and to- talked about us by name and actually read out t- uh, uh, private DMs uh, from some of us uh, to the victim at the time, uh, which were actually very supportive tweets. You know, we're very sorry you've been through this. We're, we'll do what we can to try and bring awareness to this, give you a platform if you want it, whatever. Um, and so they started attacking us again. And uh, they said some pretty pretty dumb shit uh, about like covering for this person and and uh, working with this person still. I haven't talked to this person in months. I just, you know, I have a Patreon and people donate to my Patreon. He's not in my Discord server, none of that stuff. And uh, so they started dumping on us. And so we decided we were going to come out and say, okay, look, well, since you're dumping on us again after months of us keeping it all under wraps, here's all the evidence we have to prove that not only are you lying, but you're lying, you're lying, this is bullshit, you guys are attacking us on falsities, da 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 <clears throat> Now we're being threatened with lawsuits uh, because we, we dropped some uh, medical information, but it's medical information that was made public by someone else. Um, we have screenshots of uh, the person saying, go ahead and share whatever you have. Uh, we have screenshots of one of the the people from that group uh, actually dropping that information publicly. Uh, so it's so. I mean, what do you when you hear about this as a lawyer? You know, you obviously you've studied the law, um, and, and uh, you may not. This may not be your uh, your forte when it comes to to legal issues. But I mean, what what have you seen? Is there is there is there grounds there for for a lawsuit? Well, you know, I, I like to speculate. So let's let's go. First of all, I, I watched or listened to their podcast because I saw this drama and I'd seen Clint Russell reach out to this person online several months ago saying, hey, because there was accusations and I didn't I didn't even fall in the thread. I was like, whatever, um, just let that be. Uh, so then I listened to this podcast and it starts out there's uh, even in the, the description, it says uh, five of my Liberty friends. So I'm always like, OK, let's see who these people are, because and then they start going through and they're all talking. Um, babies are crying in the background. There's all kinds of confusion and they hate podcasts. Perfectly fine. You know, you can you can do that. But then they start really going into personal things. Uh, you know, you are not. It's <laughs> It was such the the. Uh, Joe Jorgensen tweet, you can't just be actively, you know, not like passively, right? You must be actively like uh, ousting these people, which isn't, isn't your responsibility. Um, And it was, I went through the whole thing and then I went online to the person that's podcast and I I just asked her, who are these random people? I mean, you know, they're making some serious accusations. I'm not going to dox them. I'm just like, they're anonymous. You never mention anything about who they are and they're all big in the, the world of liberty or, you know, Twitter and, and libertarian stuff. I'm curious. I don't care if they have anonymous Twitter accounts, just kind of curious as to who these no name people are making very specific accusations. So now let's go to the, the, the legal stuff. Um, Reed puts out a, a uh, 20, 30 minute uh, video and he just throws out the, the, the DMS. And it was pretty, for me, it was like, you know what? Uh, My, my takeaway from that is so look, I, I do family law as we talked about, but one of the big things we do in family law is domestic violence restraining orders. These are, harassment cases between spouses or family, you know, some sort of familial connection. Right. Um, and my first thought is, well, you get a, what he's admitted to. That's an easy, they hand these things out like candy. I mean, the standard for them is there's criminal, which the DA pushes. Then there's civil with you and your neighbors. And it's, it's a hard standard as well, but you know, a little easier than the, the criminal side. And then there's the domestic violence, which is Pez, they're dispensing these out, but you know, it's anything from harassment to just disturbing the peace of the other person. So I'm like, she could easily get a restraining order. Now we're not even questioning, especially with the admitting things that he did. But then Reed goes through this 
and he lays it out and you can tell he's keeps. And my thought is this person needs to get off Twitter. They need family, they need right. friends and they need to just, that's their avenue of support. Um, then there was obviously, you know, this person comes back and forth and says, um, you've disclosed some of my personal info, uh, health info, and now I'm going to, and I'm just kind of giving a little bit of my side here. So the first thing you look at is, okay, what kind of cause of action does she have? You release personal information. Was there uh, an expectation of privacy? So it's not like, it's, you know, some states they have um, under the Telephone Communications Act uh, that you can't record another person right. unless they right. give consent to it, right? Well, she had consented to releasing this info. But then if you look, most of the states that have that, if it's a two-party state, they also say, well, telephone, uh, I'm sorry, text messages, emails, that's like leaving a voicemail and you have given up that right to privacy and the consent. You've given it kind of by the fact that you're sending it in the first place. So she's given up that as well. She's consented. And now there's an issue of medical privacy that maybe that's being given up. Well, what is, what is, if we're talking about Reed here, what is his, I don't know if, I think he gave some of that. What is his, um, or his reasonable, what is he supposed to do with this medical? Does he have, is he <laughs> secured by HIPAA? Is she with him? No. If anything, she might have a defamation case against the ex-boyfriend, uh, but then she'd have to say, well, it wasn't true. So right. I don't know. Well, and, and here's the thing is, is so that information came from the ex-boyfriend, right? Right. And the ex-boyfriend has text messages of her admitting to it. Okay. <sighs> And then, and then several months after the fact, she comes out and says, oh, he beat me into a hospital bed. But then we find out it was for something completely different. We've seen the proof that it was for something completely different. And, uh, and so when she's using this situation and her friends to attack us, who are not a, a part of this at all, by the way, yeah, uh, we have the right to uh, defend ourselves publicly against public accusations. Um, and so does, does, so does uh, this gentleman. And so does she. You know, if there's something that we've said that's wrong, feel free to defend yourself. Absolutely. Uh, but but all the information I've seen has has proven to me that there was a lot of lies told. Uh, there was lies used to slander people who weren't involved in the situation at all and never should have been. Um, and the longer this timeline goes, the more that crew says things that don't line up with what actually uh, happened or what they were saying actually happened, which is great for us because they, they just keep talking and we keep getting more information and we keep getting more things that we could prove that they you know lied about. And, and so that's great. But um, let me just say my my biggest problem because look, I, like I said, I deal with these. I see, you know, uh, believe all women. Uh, no, we're not going to do that because what I deal with on a daily basis of defending and prosecuting on both sides of it, um, women and men can both be horrible. And what he did to her, I don't I don't condone at all. My problem with this thing that comes out of it is when you read through Reed's comments to her, he was doing, and he shouldn't have. He should not have even reached out to this random person right. to help which is what he was doing. He was being a sweetheart I did and he was trying thing. to help. Yeah. He, okay. Yeah. And you too, you're trying yeah. to help. What it does now is it puts the kibosh on someone else that wants to help someone that's in need and that might need some help. You're going to say, eh, you know what? Deal with it yourself. And now um, you're, you're not helping the community and those people that actually need it. So that's, that's my big problem. Right. Yeah. I did the same thing. You know, I wanted to do the right thing. I thought, you know, well, he did something despicable that I'm not a fan of. Um, you know, obviously it's something that happens in relationships sometimes and it's bad and, and, uh, hopefully he gets the, and I put out a post, you know, I'm not going to have him on the show. I hope he gets the help that he needs, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't hate the guy for it. I mean, you know, he made a mistake and hopefully he fixes it. I, I hold hope that anybody who does bad things can get better except for pedophiles. 
no <laughs> right. there's for me there's no reforming them let them go uh but uh so so um you know i i was ready to let that all just lie and go where it was until all of a sudden my name's on another podcast and people are talking shit about me and people are trying to hurt my you know this this show helps feed my family you know what I mean? So if you're coming well, after, if, I kept talk, talking about you going to uh, Florida, you know, like, uh, and I just didn't see the the connection that the, the need for that kind of. Oh yeah, he was talking shit about calling me a grifter and talking shit about me because I put out a GoFundMe to try and take my, uh, you know, my my very abused children that we were able to adopt last year to uh, the the greatest place, the happiest place on earth, uh, to give them a memory that they'll never forget. My bad. I'm very sorry. It's hard for a guy who's a sole provider of nine people uh, to take a uh, you know twenty thousand vacation to Disneyland uh, but um, thankfully I have really great supporters who are awesome and helped us uh, attain that dream we're gonna be eating bologna sandwiches that's that's how much it costs to go there uh, but we are we are still getting to go my my suggestion for you know Disneyland or any of those is uh, you just have to take it out of your mind how much you're going to be spending on food for the day don't even think about it because it's outrageous you know oh just yeah don't do it. it's insane and, and we are I mean we we literally uh, our plan is to uh, get into. We got a really nice hotel, so we're gonna use the hotel room and uh, and buy some groceries and eat in the hotel room a lot. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. they'll still get to have this memory that I mean. I was just trying to explain this, uh, you know, with the, the little girl. We just had her birthday uh, party, and I threw a Sonic the Hedgehog party. I'm, I, I'm not very good at throwing birthday parties, but it was a it was a fun thing. And halfway through, I realized that she had never um, – she was acting kind of like she didn't really know what to do. And I was like, sweetie, have you ever had a birthday party before? She said, no, and I've never even been to a birthday party. I mean, this this is where these kids have oh. been. She's, she just turned seven. Oh. Yeah, and she so she, these, this is where these kids have been. So for me, it was like, okay, you can call me all the names you want. I'm trying to do something nice for these kids and, and make them – uh, have a special memory that will erase some of that trauma. And, uh, if, you know, if I have to ask my supporters to help, I will. And so I appreciate that they did, but to use it to attack me, fuck you. <laughs> well, just, just look, look on your, on your daughter's thing. Yeah. I think that's a seven year old is your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I share a birthday with my older sister. We're six years apart and we have the same birthday and she celebrates the whole month. I didn't have a birthday growing up. Either, oh, okay? Man, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, no, I get it, man. And now, uh, you know, it's it's uh, um, my my son's birthday is like right after Christmas on New Year's Eve. My newest, my, our newest son. So he's gonna be everybody's gonna be celebrating all these other things on his birthday, and he's gonna be all bummed out. So I'm gonna make sure he always has parties. But I, I love I love these kids, man, and I'm just so stoked that I'm gonna be able to give them something cool. You know. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. So do you I, I, do you feel that uh, this dramatic change that you've had of, uh, you know, fiance and all these kids has uh, made you a better person? Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. Okay. 100%, man. Isn't that a great thing? Yeah. I it's, mean, I, I, it's probably as an attorney you know yeah oh yeah yeah i i bet it i'd say that it's probably made me a little grumpier <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you know yeah. uh seven kids will do that to you but i it's definitely it's taught me a lot um you know i've had to learn how to uh i've had to learn because uh, we want to be peaceful parents you know that's a big thing to us that's a that's a very right. central tenet to our home we don't want to yell and scream and fight and and hit and all that stuff and so um we don't let you know we keep the kids from calling each other bad names even it's uh it's very peaceful parenting and they have you know like our seven-year-old who I was just talking about when we first got her, uh, if you raised your voice a decibel, she would go flying under the co the kitchen table on all fours, growling at you. I mean, it was it was gnarly, you know. And um, so we had to learn a lot, man. I watched a lot of a lot of fucking YouTube videos, um, you know. And and uh, and Julia, thankfully, she's just absolutely phenomenal. And it was already she was already there mentally. 
Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's improved, uh, every aspect of my life, man, you know, except for the partying aspect, <laughs> you know, but it's, you yeah, know, I, I, yeah, I drink less, I eat less. Cause, uh, by the time I get done with this podcast, I get upstairs and most of dinner's gone already. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I cuss less in the house. I smoke less cigarettes. I mean, it's, you know, they, it's a, it's a net benefit for my life. Even if, um, some days are really hard cause we have seven kids. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate the, uh, the, the forward progress it's given me mentally. Absolutely. Um, but brother, we're getting, I, what's up. Well, I was just going to say, so I have four kids and uh, oh. we have a blended family. So yeah. 21 to 15, two boys and two girls in the middle. Um, and it is uh, when at this age, I, I absolutely love it. I've got four based teenager and the ones a 21 year old they are amazing yeah. i used to think i was uh raising like uh leaders and, and stuff but i think now i'm raising criminals because they, the way our world is yeah they don't respect this kind of uh you know these kind of kids but uh it's it's to me it's a lot of fun so you know criminals, when you get up criminals to society but uh heroes in your heart brother uh, absolutely yeah yeah absolutely um yeah, that's crazy, dude. Mine, mine's uh, mine go from uh, my grand. One of them is my granddaughter, it, you know. So, um, yeah. but uh, my granddaughter is the youngest, and she is uh, six and a half months, and then my son is eight months, and then my oldest is sixteen. So it's like from sixteen all the way down to to eight months, basically. Or and uh, then we have ten, seven, eight, three in the middle. So it's uh. It's wild, dude. God bless you. Yeah. Send him some money. Get him uh, to Florida. Yeah, help me out, man. Let's go. Join that Patreon and subscribe star and uh, and become a channel member of the YouTube channel. It really does help uh, some cool kids who can use some great stuff. But uh, Mr. Yonke, sir, I appreciate yes. everything you're doing. I'm a big fan. Uh, where can people find you? What do you got coming up next? How can they support you? All that great stuff. Yeah, just find me on Twitter. It's just my whole name, Tyler Yonke. Uh, as far as the libertarian podcast review, we're on locals, uh, YouTube and Odyssey. So check those there and you can find them where the podcast catchers are. Uh, but Twitter's probably where I, you know, you know formulate most of my stuff and, and act out. So, and that's just your name, man. Tyler Young. You know, I have a bunch of accounts, so maybe I was following bird on those. Up. No, I wasn't. <laughs> oh shit. You're, are you some of the socks that follow me? All right, man. I appreciate uh, that. Uh, I, I, so I, what's interesting, I've been on Twitter since like, way early so i have the uh, one for my uh, uh other podcast uh, and then i had another uh, my original twitter account and uh, i did not or maybe i wasn't smart enough or maybe i didn't have the ability to kind of separate like cycling world and politics and i just didn't want them intertwined on my twitter feed so i just had two twitter accounts and now i just kind of let those other ones waste away so. <laughs> fair fair i just i you know i'm sure people think i have sock accounts and all that shit i have one twitter account and i have only oh no i take that back i did start just recently start another joshua smith break the cycle uh uh, Twitter account because I thought I got banned forever and then I started oh. that account and I've logged back into it once so uh, but I've never had any other accounts I've always only had the one account uh, since 2017 I think um, and so I am not any of your favorite socks I promise <laughs> but- I'm good luck I had Pete on my show Pete Quinones and the day afterwards he got reinstated on Twitter so dude that's all it takes brother that's all it takes. Hop to you tomorrow too yeah absolutely but i still have i still have my page so i'm good they gave it back to me i thought it was gone for good and then they gave it back to me but uh brother i'm a big fan uh i'm glad that we i could call you friend i think you're doing great work uh if you could give me like two minutes i will end out the show and we'll start the members only stream sure awesome thanks brother thank you all right guys another awesome episode of break the cycle tyler's so cool go follow him uh support him 
check out his shows. His uh his review podcasts are actually really really cool, man. Um, it's it's a it's a uh, a scene that I I had never checked out before. I didn't see anybody do. There's a lot of review stuff on YouTube, um, but it's usually like rap reviews or music video reviews or stuff like that. Doing a whole podcast review was pretty cool. I had never seen that angle, so definitely go check it out. You'll enjoy it. He's a great guy, uh, and he's got a lot of great information. Uh, guys, coming up on the show tomorrow, uh, the hard hat intellectual will be on. This guy is so savage. If you don't follow him, go check him out on Twitter, man. He's uh, he's blue-collar working class to the core. Uh, very, very cool guy uh, and very smart. Definitely, um, definitely leans anarchist. I think at least at the minimum, he's like a, he's a conservative, but he's very, very based. Uh, I'm very excited to have him on. I'm going to be having Ash and Birdie on the show soon. She's pretty cool. If you haven't checked out her YouTube account, she's uh, she's hilarious and uh, really, really has some great insight on um, a lot of issues. On Wednesday, I'm going to have uh, Grunpa on. If you guys aren't familiar with Grunpa, he's a he's a military vet. Um, he was the one that Shane Hazel and, and him went back and forth a while back. Uh, definitely going to want to check out that show. We'll be talking about Afghanistan quite a bit, I'm sure, and also uh, his beef a little bit with Shane and some other things. And then on Friday, my good friend Fritz from the Fritz Cats will be on the show. Uh, I'm a big fan of Fritz, man. It's going to be a cool one. He had me on the show several months ago, and we had a good time. I I promise that'll be a good conversation. Uh, check out our sponsors, of course, toplobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great Ron Paul for Congress shirt that I'm wearing tonight for a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout. Or you can join the Patreon, subscribe star, or become a channel member right underneath all of my YouTube videos by hitting the join link uh, to get into a private Discord server where you can get all of the great new Top Lobster gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general population at a 30% discount. Plus, you get to help send some kids to Disney World. Uh, and support a family of nine, man, for a show that I do five nights a week. So, And you get all kinds of cool after-hours content and uh, swag and stuff if you join the Patreon. So check it out, man. Seriously, it's good stuff. And, of course, executive producer of the show, HanthemPlanning.com, uh, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. I'm almost done with a video ad for uh, for them and also going to be building one for Top Lobster. So you guys don't have to hear me repeat this shit over and over and over again every night and fuck it up. Um, and uh, it'll have a lot better better information. So, um, But check them out, man, especially if you're business owners. This, they're, they're great. Amazing people. Some of my favorites. Go check them out, please. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got for you guys. If you want to come and watch us uh, in the members-only stream, just hit the join link underneath any of these, uh, these YouTube videos, and uh, you will find a secret feed that has all the links for all of my after-hour shows. I think there's like 50 of them now. Um, so there's a lot of extra content there you can get for 6 bucks a month. Plus, you get all these cool uh, uh, badges that you see in the chat. Uh, the custom badges change colors if you uh, have been around longer than other people. And, of course, all the custom emojis like the Base King Nick one and some of the Karen Ann stuff and the Nuke and uh, the Get in the Locker Nerd one uh, that you can use during the live chat. So if you're watching the live show, eh, it's worth the 6 bucks a month, I think. I'll see you tomorrow uh, for my show with the Hard Hat Intellectual. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. To explain the lyrics of my last song, they seem to contain a violent call to action in the personal frame. But I just spent it in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So, any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because.
Cause I just met in my friend What Chipper is my friend And he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just met in my craft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless there's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In my craft, just in my craft You're nothing I mean, you know it The product is getting close to COVID Holy shit, I think I'll fall 